Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, we got episode three of season three titled Flashing Leather. In a few minutes, we're going to have on Ole Miss baseball star Hayden Leatherwood. And man, I got to I got to ask you before he comes on, man, he had a sensational weekend. I know um, maybe not the outcome they had, had hoped for, but him personally this season has, has been a really good season I, I'm, I'm interested to get your take as far as like like where do you see them ending up man I know we're going to ask him this but I, I I just like your your take because you you watch a lot of the SEC baseball we get all the text and I don't know how you do it but man you got like 30 screens going on and you're just like a it's like a war room in your house yeah, no doubt. It's hard to say if they will be the ones to get it done because there is such a log jam with those SEC teams up top. But I'll tell you this, and this is part of the text I sent you. Ole Miss is never out of a game. They can put up runs with anybody in the country, and Hayden is part of that. And like you said, he had a big weekend. And there's nothing better than when you have a guest coming on and the commentator says on Sunday, if there's anything to take from this weekend, it's got to be the play of Hayden Leatherwood. And I'm like, oh, that's glorious. Well, let's let's segue right into it. Let's bring him on. Without further ado, help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, Ole Miss baseball star Hayden Leatherwood. Aiden, my man, big weekend. Thanks for coming on. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, brother. It just kind of was very timely on our part to get you on, man. This this past weekend was crazy, and and we'll we'll dive into that a little later in in, in our in our show. But I, I want to start with the backstory. You know, like I, I'm big on like the story and the narrative. So talk to me, like. Where are you from? Is it a big place, small place, family dynamics? Like, get me into the mindset of, of you growing up, where you're from, and how you got into this path of baseball. Yeah, well, uh, I grew up in Carville, right outside of Memphis, probably 15 minutes. And uh, I started out going to Carville public school systems and then ended up going to Briarcrest my first two years. And then after my sophomore year, transferred to Christian Brothers, which, which is quite different because it's the first time ever going to an all-boys school, I guess, and last time. But uh, And then I played baseball all throughout my younger years. And then I think it was my sophomore summer or freshman summer. I don't remember, actually. I committed to Vanderbilt, signed with Vanderbilt after my senior year. Got there, went through the uh, the summer program, did workouts there all summer. Did not do very good in classes, I'll be honest. Uh, and then uh, came back in the fall, 
expecting it to be a little better for me and then I ended up being it ended up not being a good fit for me and then I called my parents and told them I kind of wanted to reroute my my baseball career after high school and then so I ended up going to Northwest Juco and Senatobia. Uh, now I'm an old Miss. All right, so let's go back, you know, family life. You know, you, you're from Carterville. Like, it's a suburb. It's, you know, pretty wholesome area um, from what I can remember. Is it a, is it a some some type of sin, like, to be from Carterville and not go to Carterville? Like, I feel like that's the mecca <laughs> of all meccas these days. Uh, honestly, like, I, I don't even live in, in, in Memphis anymore. And, like, I, like I hear about Carterville. So, like what's the what's the route like i know you know there's the private school aspect but why not carrierville just because you 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 felt like it's a better opportunity at the private school or uh i mean carville the carville high school i mean the carville schools are they're always good in baseball which that always played a big role in where i went uh that's where actually my brother i have a younger brother right now who's a junior there and he's uh he plays baseball and I mean, he loves it, which they have a new hot school. And I don't know if you've seen the facility they have over there, which is insane. But um, he loves it. I have another brother who's a sophomore, I guess, a COVID freshman at Northwest. He's a catcher there. Um, but the only difference I'd say between the Carver High School and the private schools that I went to were I guess a smaller knit kind of people. Like, uh, I guess it was smaller and that's kind of how I liked it. Uh, but academic wise, I'll, I'd say they were similar. Yeah, so, you, so you, are you, you got two brothers and that that's it? You got, you got more brothers and I have, sisters? Uh, I have two brothers and a little sister. Okay. So with that, like, I'm sure there's, there's some, maybe not pressure, but is there like some competition to be the better athlete within the family? Oh yeah. I mean, ever since we were little kids, we were always back and forth of who can hit the most home runs. Who can do the, make the coolest plays. Uh, I, I picture like a Sunday dinner being like a dinner at Ricky Bobby's table. Is, is that, is that, is that <laughs> pretty similar? That That's about how you can describe my family in a man. little summer right there. I need, I need a, I need an invite to dinner, man. I, I just, I don't even have to eat anything. I'll just be a fly on the wall. Just, just, just taking <laughs> it all on. in. Um, but you know, tell me about mom and dad, were they a big influence or they just kind of let you guys do, uh, whatever you felt like you wanted to do and, and and baseball was it or were they adamant about you being an athlete or being a baseball player uh, they were they were they were there they've been there for me ever since I was a little kid they uh, my dad started me out playing ball probably when I was it seems like three or four years old trying to hit a little plastic ball with one of those big big barrel plastic bats and ever since then I've, I've stuck with it um He's been probably ever since I was, I say when Coach Fish started, whatever. That's what is that? Ten years old, give or take, eight years old. I don't know, but he he coached me. Him and his best friend were my coaches for a summer team up till I was fourteen, and they've always they've always been big supporters of me, pushing me harder. And I give credit to my dad, who's he's one of those kind of guys that if I'm doing something wrong, he's not gonna like pat me on my back and tell me it's all going to be okay. He's more the, he's going to tell me how it is and tell me what I got to do to fix it. And if I don't fix it, then it's on, on myself. Uh, 
that's kind of how they've they've kind of taught me growing up. Yeah, you could probably appreciate that more so now. Um, I'm sure, like as you're going through it, like you know that that tough love is probably what's best but now i'm sure you look back on it and go man like that was a huge factor because i'm sure nobody at old miss is, is is patting you on the back giving you participation ribbons i'm sure they're they're telling you how it is and it's it's tough but it's all through love oh yeah i mean uh and it was kind of that way in high school uh when i went to christian brothers was, the coaches there kind of were that way and especially now that it all, it all it, it sounds like they're gonna they're gonna jump on us, but at the end of the day, they, they just want the best for all of us. And at this level, they they have to be that way. I feel like because that they know what it what it's gonna take to get they know what it's gonna take to get all the whatever, uh, they know our potential. They know what we can do, so they're gonna tell us what we need to hear to be able to do it. Yeah. So. Let, Talk to me about high school. Um, you know, as you know, I've, I've coached and I played, you know, collegiately. So I know like the process and I understand like it's starting to become the high school season is, is you know, I hate to say it, but it's true. Like it's less and less important than what you do with your travel teams in the fall and in the summers and, and the traveling that you do with those teams to, to get noticed. Um, but was was high school at Christian Brothers beneficial to you? Was it just being able to play again, or was it strictly the travel component, the travel team in the summer that allowed you to to really like get yourself in the door of a college? Uh, I said probably half and half. I mean, the summer programs like playing throughout the summer, I was traveling all over the country, and my parents were always there with me. They spent a lot of money traveling, hotel rooms, plane tickets, uh, just to, just so I could get, just so I could play in front of uh, scouts or college coaches just to get my name out there. So that was a big, that was big for me. And uh, being locally, well, I wouldn't say locally, but within about an hour from Ole Miss, it helped me in the recruitment process through them because, uh, I mean, we were right down the road. But Christian Brothers was more of a, with it being all boys, it was kind of like just hard-nosed kids that didn't really have those distractions that co-ed schools can give you. I got you. So, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that there was Vanderbilt. It was in the equation. You ended up actually enrolling at Vanderbilt and, and staying, what, for a full year or a summer and no, a fall? I, I stayed for a summer and – like two or three weeks in the fall. Uh, when I left there, I had like a one-week deadline to enroll at Northwest, so I'd be eligible to play for the season. Or there's some, I don't know all the what all was the rules and all that stuff, but yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't pass class. I'll be honest. <laughs> so, all right, so so let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, you, you're you're willing to throw it out there. So I I mean, we got. We got some high school kids. We got younger kids that, that listen and, and they want to know. And I think if anything, you can maybe drop some wisdom here for them. Um, what was it about Vanderbilt? Was it just the difficulty? Um, was it just the, the newness of, of now you're on your own? What was the academic piece that was so difficult there? I think, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was something that I couldn't do. 
But I think that what I learned from that is when I was in high school, I didn't, I mean, I paid attention to school, like my grades, but I didn't put enough emphasis on what, how I need to study, like not waiting until the last minute to do my assignments, just stuff like that. And then when I got to Vanderbilt, which is a great school, everybody knows it's a great school. And uh, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how, how to prepare myself to be able to make that A on that test or how to write a 15 page paper because I, in high school, I never really, I slacked off a little bit on the school side of things, which kind of kicked me in the butt when I got to Vanderbilt. And I guess if I would have paid more attention to my grades in high school, it could have, I mean, I, truth me, I don't know, I could still be at Vanderbilt. So do you think that like, you know, they, they say that you, your failures are an indication of how successful you can be. So do you think that you know failure there helps set you up for your success right now? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a I'm a believer in you. I mean, everything you do in life, I guess it, it teaches you lessons, whether good or bad. Uh, and when I when I went to Vanderbilt and left, I mean, it was it was it was like all, everybody in the world against me, like talking crazy. What's he doing? Like why'd he leave Vanderbilt? Like he's never going to be able to get to a school like that again, blah, 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 blah. And I was kind of, I'm the kind of person where I keep most of my thoughts and feelings to myself when it comes to like outside people. Um, so I kind of took all that as motivation to prove people wrong. Uh, and I remember calling my dad and in the time that both my parents and my whole family, everybody was against me. It seemed like, uh, because everybody was, I mean, I'm the oldest son and the first one to play baseball in college. So that's, it was huge. And being Vanderbilt, it was another, like, it makes it even better. And then I called my dad and he was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, they were just shocked. I mean, they didn't know what to say. And at the time I didn't, because I mean, it was just a rough time. Do you think uh, that, do you think the decision or do you think their outlook on this would have been different if it was more on the baseball end and less on the the academic side yeah uh i think that it i think they would have understood it more if in the baseball side of things but with it being the difficulty in the classroom i think at the time they they looked at it as just irresponsibility and just not growing up which I get. I mean, they had they had that right to think that, and I guess you you would say it'd be irresponsibility. But myself, like I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be somewhere and, and not be comfortable with it. Uh, so I was like, I'm I'm, I'm I was going to reroute myself on my own and prove everyone prove to everyone that I could go to another big school and. So you, yeah. So so you ended up at North Northwest, and you 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 mentioned saying that you you had to unenroll at Vanderbilt because you had a week to enroll to be eligible for the spring season. Did you know that, or you just got lucky and you just you found that out after the fact? I got lucky. I got very lucky. I mean, because at the time, uh, and I'll be honest, it was it, it, like those. When I left there, I mean, it, it was more of 
it was a, my own – it was kind of like my own decision. Like, I talked to my parents about it leading up to it, and then every time I'd call them and kind of talk to them, they just – they'd push me, push me, and, just, and I'd, I'd keep going with it. And then I got – there was one day I was just like, I know if I call them, they're going to talk to me and just keep going, which – as a parent, like that's what that's what they're supposed to do, and I respect them for it. But I decided I'm just gonna go in to talk to uh, Coach Tim Corbin, tell him the situation, just tell him what I was like dealing with, and he understood it. Like uh, we talked for probably an hour, and he supported me with it. And then uh, so I ended up going to the offices, unenrolling myself. I packed up all of my dorm, uh, my bed and all that stuff from the dorms. Got about halfway home. I was just right outside of Jackson, Tennessee. Then I called my parents, which was a complete shock because I, it was, most people don't know that. Most people, like I, like I don't tell everybody and not many people ask me about it now that I'm at Ole Miss, but it, it, like I, I called my parents halfway home and told them, hey, this isn't a call telling telling y'all I'm ready to transfer or go somewhere else. It was, I've already unenrolled. I'm not a part of that school anymore. This is where I'm at here. Like, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's something, you know, when I was researching you, it's not something that just comes up. And so we appreciate you, you know, opening yourself up, being vulnerable, sharing that. And especially because, you know, you talk about, the great experience that comes from this. I happen to know about half the Northwest roster. We actually do a, a rising stars episode where we do midweek and we talk to a lot of those guys. That's actually why I reached out to you. Uh, those guys love you, man. They look up to you and the route that you set by, you know, taking a step down, going to Northwest and then basically launching yourself to Ole Miss is a path that a lot of those guys want to be on. So I have to commend you for that. And, you know, I mean, Northwest seems to be a, a launch pad for home runs, a launch pad to get guys to Division One. So let's talk about it, man. I'm going to read this off. It's got you as first team All-MAC batting average, 388, 15 home runs, 47 RBIs, 35 runs, and 905 slugging percentage, second best in school history, third best in the nation that year. Talk to me about that season. Uh, before I, I talk about it, I'm going to, the slugging percentage, I, I, I'm second, but the person who's above me is a third base coach in, uh, Bill Selby. I mean, he, he, I give him most of my, I give him all the credit, honestly. Uh, at the time, me and Brent Blaylock, I'm, I'm sure you know him pretty well. Me and him are roommates and we were, we were both transfers. Uh, and we worked with him it seemed like three or four times a day in the cages, just mastering this little techniques that Coach Selby knew that could uh, fix anything. Like it got to a point where there was one, there was one drill. I think it was off center BP, which is off center front toss that fixed it. Like anything that like, I got, if I saw on my swing, I go straight to that uh, one little, uh, drill that actually Selby taught me and you know, I, I give him a lot of credit and Coach Carson they're great coach over, coaches over there my brother loves it but my freshman year when I when I left Vandy I was doing online all of uh, the fall at Northwest so I wasn't on campus yet so I was just kind of doing stuff on my own in the cages and 
then once I came in after Christmas, moved on to campus, that's when it was like, I mean, it felt like forever I hadn't played baseball because I hadn't done anything all fall with the team. And then I start, I actually started off really slow. And I was like, I was, I remember telling my dad, I was like, dad, like, it doesn't feel right. Like, I don't know what, like how I'm going to get back to it. And so I talked to Selby and at the time we, we weren't that close. Talked to Selby and we ended up growing a big relationship, which ended up paying off. Uh, he found out what I needed. Like he fixed anything, any problems I had. And it seemed like every other game me and Blaylock and actually Van Cleve, well, we were hitting home runs and driving balls all over the park. But it was, it was awesome. Yeah, no, Daniel, you know who he sounds like to me? Because you remember who had a slow start, but now it's just hitting bomb game after game. You know Peyton Mills? Oh, I know him well. <laughs> Dude, that, that's what really – because the first couple games, he didn't touch the ball at all. It was a strikeout, strikeout. And then after that, he had like six home runs in five games, and he's he's kind of just been hot since. But those – hey, those are the guys – him and Dylan Hale is your biggest advocate. You familiar with him? Oh, I know him well. Old Dylan. Yeah, we have he's him as a good dude. Yeah, we have him as a guest host time to time when we do the JUCO episodes. But yeah, Northwest man, um, you you just talked about the coaches, and it's got to be because, I mean, those guys are you know maybe not necessarily Ole Miss per se, but are all landing different colleges, Division One left and right, and they're increasing as hitters as you talked about. But you know, uh, I have to bring up because we talked about academics. You clearly figured something out because if I got this right, you made the president's list there. Is that correct? I did. I did. Uh, when I got to Northwest, uh, I knew that I I wanted to have success there and end up hopefully reaching another big school after that. And I knew that academics are very important. And I learned that the hard way, I guess. And uh, – so I stuck with it. I stuck with my grades. I was studying, doing all my assignments, making sure everything was due on time, and then doing baseball on the outside of that. I got you. So I, made, I think I made. I think I made honor roll. I think every semester. Look at Those you. Years, <laughs> Man, I never made honor roll in my life. I'm not gonna lie to you, but it's all right. My son makes the uh, principals list every every semester, so at least you know, at least I did something right. But. How does Ole Miss end up contacting you while you're at Northwest? How's that process go? Uh, it was it was after my uh, freshman season. I had talked to uh, Coach Lafferty and Coach Clem towards the end of the season because when I transferred into Northwest, there was like there's a rule where I have to graduate from the junior college in order to go back to a D1. I think, I don't know if that's still the same way or not. So I talked to them after my season. They watched me, Coach Clem came out one day and watched me take some batting practice. And I I talked to them previously in high school, but I ended up signing with Vandy. And then uh, after the the Ole Miss reached out to me and I talked to them, that's, that's where I wanted to go. And I was set on it, and I was just waiting for the opportunity they gave me. And uh, once I got it, I, I ran with it. Yeah, that's awesome. And this is what I've been waiting to get into. You know, we got to get the backstory. We got to talk Jugo. But the best part about having you on is, you know, when I reached out to you, I told you we've talked to all these SEC players. We've talked to your teammates. But you will be the first one we've talked to during midseason. We talked to everybody before the season. So, man, we get to really 
uh, dive and dig into. I do want to talk about, you know, your COVID season, just because, I mean, you were batting 361, um, you know, you went two for two against number one Louisville. You know, you had a game-winning pitch hit home run against Southern Miss. I mean, at least talk to me about that season a little bit. I know that your team was red hot. I mean, ranked number one. Um, how did it feel, you know, how well you did? And then also just, you know, as much as a negative to have the season just kind of cut like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll say my first game, the first two games, I wasn't in the lineup and we were playing Louisville. And then Sunday came around. And it was um, – I saw my name on the lineup. I was like, all right, here we are. Like, I've been waiting on this for a long time, and now it's here. So, uh, first at bat. And at the time, I think it was a little over 10,000, 11,000 people there. So, coming from about 100 tops in Northwest to 11,000, I mean. I think you might have been generous on that 100. I've been to a <laughs> bunch of games in Northwest. Uh, yeah, I mean – it, I, I was kind of nervous. Uh, I won't ever admit that to anybody, and I, I'm sure a lot of people know that now, but I, I was nervous going to the play. Like, it, it felt like everybody was just on top of me. And I, I, I went 3-2, and then I fouled a couple balls off, and then hit a line drop double. So I, I get to second base, and I end up celebrating a little bit too early and slid off the bag and get tagged out. So I'm like <laughs> – and everybody, I'm I'm so embarrassed. I didn't know how to like. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, I was so excited to get the hit, and I get there, and I and they replay it. So I'm sitting out there for like five minutes, like embarrasses all I, all I could get out, and that that I'll never forget that one. But um, and end up end up my second at bat, I end up getting another hit. It was big, so that was that was cool. And then um. The Southern Miss game, that that was probably the biggest game last year for me, for sure. I guess, honestly, probably the biggest at bat, biggest home run I've ever had here. Uh, was that was uh, that at Swayze or was that at Southern Miss? It was it was at it was at Swayze. Uh, so the showers happened on on that home run. Yeah, they did. Oh. They did. They did. But, but, but like that about Ben is so jealous. <laughs> nah, I bet he that's what he goes home and thinks about like that's, that's oh. his, his thoughts he's like man I just want to do I just want to be hating I didn't I didn't know we were going to take shots at his teammates because I was just gonna no, I, 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 I love I love Ben he's probably like oh, as yeah. far as a, a character and like like I I'm a, a wrestling guy as a matter of fact I just I just went to Wrestlemania this weekend so like I enjoy like a character and like that persona. And I feel like Ben, like he's the gorilla, like he has this that persona. So I like I oh yeah. I, I can get down with that. So I mean I they got some time. They got some great characters because remember we didn't, you know, I had to ask Doug before the episode, can I bring up the you know the booger incident? And he was <laughs> like, Oh yeah, man, I have fun with it. He called himself the boogeyman, but it's like these old miscasts, man. They like to have fun. They talk about it, you know, they'll be open. And so that just makes for for better content. So I appreciate it. Oh yeah. That. And and like when that happened, I wasn't on the team, but but once I got here and met Doug. He's the one person that, like you, you would you would think that he he could do that and it wouldn't phase him. Like all the stuff he got on Twitter, on Instagram, the pictures to this day, there's still stuff like people bring it up. He, well, he, just, he says Arkansas tries to hassle him, but you know he came out and won <laughs> against him, and then you know yep. we're gonna get into it here in a minute. But he beat him again. He's three and zero. So I mean, oh, keep yeah. joking. 
Oh yeah, like he kind of he's like, y'all can say what y'all want, but here I am striking all y'all out. Exactly. So let's get into it, man. Uh, Arlington. I was supposed to be there. You know, you know what the weather was like here. I drive a, a GT premium. It was buried in snow. It could not get out. I was devastated. I was looking forward to going and watching y'all play. But nevertheless, I did get to watch y'all, uh, you know, on Flow Sports, watch y'all take care of Texas, TCU, Texas State. Tell me what it was like playing in that ballpark and beating those three teams. It it was it was honestly it was so cool. I don't know, but once when we pulled in and saw the stadium, it was just like, oh my oh my gosh, like this is the coolest thing ever. Now I remember walking in and we went through like an underground tunnel type deal to get uh, to the dugout and locker room. And we walk up up the staircase in the uh, dugout, and there's at the time Mississippi State was playing in front of us so there was people everywhere and we walked up and there was it was a bigger crowd than Swayze and we were like oh my gosh and first game we won which was was huge then we ended up sweeping the whole the whole uh, weekend which it was kind of like we went 16 we were 16-1 last year lost the first game we had high expectations leading into this season. Then we come, we start our season going three and zero against those teams. It's like we're just kind of relaying what was the sixteen uh, sixteen and one season or seventeen and one. I don't yeah. know exactly. Yeah, what it was. <laughs> I, I tell you what, uh, I'm sure you didn't see it because we weren't talking on uh, social media yet. But I gave you like all the props in the world and the biggest shout out. I did not know that you had been subbed out in right field. So I thought you were the one that waved bye-bye to Texas Tech fans. And I was like, dude, that, that boy Hayden sent them packing. And then they were like, after I had posted it, they were like, hey, bro, that wasn't him. I was like, oh. So I didn't know you oh, came see, out. Oh, yeah. See, I started out in right field. And then those fans were they – were, they were letting me have it, to say the least. They were letting me have the whole game. And I, I wear a big chain a lot which doesn't help the trash talk the fans give me. But so I was wearing that, and they were letting me have it. And then when I got subbed out, and Kate, it was Kate Sammons, which is the guy that went out there. I said, Kate. I mean, he's the the, the most – I mean, he's not, I'm not going to say he's shy, but he's, he's kind of quiet, just really nice dude. Like, you would never expect him to do something like that. And I said, Kate, look, they're going to give you crap. Put on this chain. I'll put my chain on his neck. I said, go out there with it. He said, all right. So he went out there and he came back in. I said, they say anything to you about it? And he said, dude, I've, ne- I've never had so much trash talk in my life for a necklace. I said, all right, well, wear it another inning. So the last thing he went out there and I didn't even know he was waving until I saw it on Twitter right after the game was all over Twitter. I was like, hey, you, you dirty dog, man. Yeah, Van Cleve had to tell me because it was the chain that made me think for sure it was you because that was literally the argument. Oh, yeah. said. I was like, it was him. I seen the chain and everything. Oh, like, yeah. No, it wasn't. Does he does he have an arm sleeve tat like you too? Uh he does not. That should have been what I looked for. <laughs> I I'm the only guy that's got this many tattoos. A lot of the guys have tattoos, but some of them are hidden. But um I kind of just went all out with it and I'm not gonna hide mine. <laughs> hey, I dig it. Obviously, my arms are sleeved out. Um, I'm, oh, yeah. too, I'm too old and not cool to have a chain. But if uh, Daniel will tell you, we've known each other 25 years. I used to rock the chain, and 
Hey, I think all the Northwest boys, they rock chains possibly because of you. I don't know, man. You, <laughs> you're setting trends. Uh, <laughs> I get a lot, a lot of people bring it up. Uh, I've always worn a chain. I, I remember starting out with those little fighting, fighting twisty necklaces you wear. You thought they were like those power balances, whatever they were called. And then I ended up wearing a chain. And every every single year, I end up getting a bigger one, it seems like. <laughs> hey, as long as it doesn't weigh you down out there, you're good. <laughs> All uh, right. do, do you have like a specific, like, these are my baseball chains? Or these are like all-day-long chains? Well... I had the the one I usually wear in my big one. See, I started out really slow this season, and from the from what I was yeah, doing, because you got season, this big ass chain hanging from your neck, I, I did slow you down. I bet <laughs> it probably. It's, I mean, it, it slowed my bat speed down, I guess. <laughs> but uh, after last last week, and I, I think I was, I think I had one hit for like two weeks. I said, look, I'm I'm getting rid of this chain, so I sell it. I sold it to my buddy. I don't even have it anymore, but I, I have one that I always wear. It's a, it's a cross. It's a, I always, always have that on. But uh, so I guess that's my baseball chain now until I end up getting a new one. I don't know, man. Hey, you need to go back to the other one because I'm going to tell you, if you get <laughs> hot and then you end up going pro, I mean, you're from Collierville. Platinum Jewelers will be your sponsor. Like, they'll, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> – you end up getting changed for free as long as you advertise for them. Jackson does. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you said you started off slow. It's amazing what a good weekend can do. You were batting 229 coming into this weekend, and you're now batting 264. You went five for eight, four RBIs, uh, two runs, and then you had two walks on top of that. So, I mean, this weekend had, you know, regardless of the fact that y'all only took one of the three games, you know, and it's a team sport, but individually, man, had to feel good for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, from not having much success kicking off the season, I mean, I'm a believer that baseball is a mental game. Uh, it's just like the only way to be successful is to be able to – how you respond to your failure. Uh, you can either get down and – weigh yourself down on it or you can just keep going eventually it's gonna you'll be you're gonna make it out and that's kind of what i did uh I, I feel like once you get to that point where you you break that slump or you get that big hit and your confidence goes up it's it's a whole different game once you get to that point uh that's kind of what happened last weekend so i got that my i think it was first game saturday i pinched it in the second to last inning i think end up squaring the ball, which was – I hadn't done that in a while, honestly. Uh, so, I felt good. I was like, all right, maybe maybe this is my time to kind of break out a little bit. And then second game, I ended up hitting that home run, which it, it was it was, it was awesome. Uh, with that many people there – because I was talking about before the game with – actually, Van Cleef. I said, Cleef, like – one one of us thought would hit home run. Like like, what's the chances with all these people here with record uh, record crowds? Like, how cool would it be to hit a home run? And I ended up doing it. And after I rounded first, and I couldn't feel my body. Like, <laughs> and, and and I've done it, but it's not like I haven't done it before. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then I don't know if you've seen the video, but when I came into Boom, Kevin Graham, I'm known to be the guy that doesn't do it very well. Some people are smooth with it and look like they know what they're doing. I'm that guy that 
completely will miss a forearm and like hit somebody in the leg. Like I did that. I hit Kevin right in his leg. And I jammed my finger. Like it, it was funny. But I tell you what, man, those those showers and what's cool is Daniel doesn't even know this yet. I, I wanted to wait and drop it here. My nephew was at his first college baseball game ever, and he was out in right field for that. And he sent me a message because he knew you're the next guest. And he was like, not only did you get to see the bomb, he's like, this is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. And I said, man, I watch a lot of college baseball. And I said, I don't know that anybody does it better than what Swayze does out there in the outfield. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've played at a lot of different schools. And, I, I mean, there's a lot of – a lot of schools have good fans and wild crowds, but I don't think there's, there's any school that can top the beer showers and ride and the atmosphere is Swayze. I mean, yeah, I mean, the best and, is the Instagram post has your home run, and then when you swipe the picture, it has the, the showers. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It, it's cool. And and when me playing right field, it's, it kind of makes it a little bit cooler for me because – I'm I'm out there like I'm I'm the one they're talking to the whole game it seems like and they they give uh they talk to TJ a lot they do like the little deal where they throw the ball in, in between innings back and forth but with me running back out there after that after that home run it it was just a good feeling it was cool I hear you so I got to bring something up man uh, I'm gonna sound salty because I am you know been producing this podcast it'll be a year in two weeks and reached out to a lot of guests. And I've only had one athlete ever turn me down and he was polite about it. So not, not talking bad, but his name was Christian Franklin. And the reason I bring it up to you is because you really should have been six for eight this weekend with another home run, but he decided he was going to go make a leap and catch it at the wall. You know, like, I mean, I know you got respect for him. So let's talk about it. Oh yeah. I think what like he was thinking before he came here, he was like, I feel like Logan's going to break out of a slump a little bit, but I'm going to rob him of two really big hits for him and kind of rub him in his face a little bit. That's, that's basically what he did. I mean, I had that one-line drive, which I knew was going to be a for sure either double or single, but I run it first, and I look up, and he's laid out and had caught the ball. And I was like, no way. Like, no way he just did that. And then uh, he ends up robbing the second game – or, no, actually it was the first day uh, – first game Sunday – I hit a ball dead center, and I, I didn't know if it was going to be gone or not off the bat because I'm not a big home run to center kind of guy. And I'm around first, and I look up, and there he is, three foot, three or four foot off the ground, catching the ball. I'm like, did you, did you really just do that again? <laughs> like, I mean, all I could do is tip my cap, but yeah, it had the distance, plate. but he made it look pretty routine, which really just speaks volumes to him. So. I'm a hater, but at the end of the day, man, I got to acknowledge, you know, how good he is. I just hate that, you know, we have these guests on and he keeps messing it up for, for you guys, man. He's killing our <laughs> statistics. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, if, if Hayden goes six for eight every series from here on <laughs> out, I think he's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be nice, but uh, it'd be tough to ever do it again. I mean, Six for eight, or I think it was five, five, five or six for eight. I don't know exactly what it was. And that, that's that's a really good weekend. What uh, I mean, what was it like? What is it like knowing that you you go six for eight against the? I I, I have to say, like they're the well, and two the walks. best the best the best team in college baseball right now. Like the confidence that you got to have moving forward. Like you guys got to be floating on cloud nine, especially if you're hitting the way you are against against a team like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of – yeah, yeah, it brings up my confidence a lot. But it's I, I kind of look back at that weekend and kind of learned of what I have to do to be able to be successful when it comes to situations like that. Uh, and I've, I've watched my swing and on film probably 20 times since yesterday, just kind of memorizing what, every little thing that I, I did to make contact really good for that weekend because what I was doing previously wasn't really working for me. So I just got to master what I was doing. Yeah, and you also had two walks, and there's something to say for that because you you didn't – I watched both those at-bats. You didn't swing at bad pitches. And, you know, Randy, our other host who's not here tonight, he's a Tennessee fan, and, and we watched the Tennessee games. And one of the reasons they've had success is they don't swing at bad pitches. And I think there's something to say about that, especially in college where, you know, you're, you're really feisty, I guess is the best, you know, anxious to, to swing at pitches and to be able to take on pitches that are, you know, right outside the strike zone and let them go and know that it's a bad pitch to swing at. And you did it twice in that game, I think was, was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I, I say, well, I've always kind of been the person, I guess, that if you take out everything that SEC, big school, blah, 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 if you take out and just simplify it to my bat or anybody's at bat, the only way that I'll, I will get out is they have to throw a strike over that plate or I'm going to walk. So you can just learn to be disciplined and wait on that pitch to come across that plate. Your success rate is going to go up because if you chase anything outside of the zone, then you're just, you're giving it to the pitcher. And then once you get behind, it's, it's tough. Like if you go, once you get behind on this level type of pitch and it's, it's tough. I'll be honest. It's really tough. I'll be honest with you. On Sunday, that umpire, you know, I don't know what was a strike or what wasn't. And, you know, Coach Miyako, obviously, uh, I mean, it was it was worth the way he reacted. I mean, that – and you talked about it being a full crowd. I'm watching from TV, and, man, I kind of felt like I was in the stadium. I, I don't know who your pitcher was at the time, but he threw four pitches in a row, maybe five even. And I think they all could have arguably been strikes and they were all called balls and your crowd was livid. And then that's when your coach really started letting them have it. I mean, what was a strike that game? Uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to completely bash the umpire because I get like what they do. It's hard, but I couldn't tell you what the strike zone was that day. Uh, I'll, our pitchers couldn't tell you what the strike zone was. And obviously, Coach Bianco did not have uh, an idea. And to see him get that mad, because, I mean, sometimes somebody goes strike out and they'll, even though it'd be a strike, they'll blame it on a ball. But if Coach B's that mad, then the umpire's wrong. Uh, yeah. So what do you and the teammates say to each other when he leaves? Like, y'all fired up, we're going to get this now? That's kind. That's kind of how it was. Like everybody was already kind of fired up. We were getting, we were getting our tails kicked. I mean, at the, I think it was eleven to five or thirteen to five when that happened, and we could have just said, you know what, we're just gonna go through the routine, just get this game over with and go home. But once he, well, we were already starting to get fired up when he started. He started to let the umpires have it. The stadium started getting behind us on it the next thing you know he's gone 
and we're like, all right, like, let's go. Like, we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna shock the world, and we did for two innings. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, that's the thing. Y'all are y'all are never out of a game like ever, and that to me, that's why y'all have a chance no matter what. And you know, to go ahead and transition to your upcoming series, you know, Mississippi State. only behind Vanderbilt in in the pitching department. So you're fixing to go up against some stud arms. But the way y'all hit, it feels like, I mean, y'all can hit against anybody. So, like, you know, talk to me about this upcoming series, like, you know, just how y'all are feeling. And, you know, it's Mississippi State Ole Miss, so it's a rivalry. You know, talk to me about that. Oh, yeah, we're excited. Uh, Taking what we did last week, and even though we lost two from that game on Sunday – being able to – most teams, when it's 11-0 to zero in the second inning or whatever it was, m- most teams are going to fold. Uh, but we showed that, like, no matter what the score is, there's still there's – still, we still get uh, eight more innings left. We got time. Like, we're going to fight back, and we're never going to give up. That's, that's kind of how we took it. And then now going into Mississippi State this weekend, which is going to be one great series. It's a really good program with a really nice stadium and the atmosphere is going to be another thousands of people again, but it's, it's going to be flipped a little bit. We're going to be getting trash talked a little bit this weekend, but uh, yeah, I think y'all are, y'all are a different breed in the sense of I've been to some games in Starkville and they don't really mess with the opposing teams that much. But the reason why I know they're going to give it to y'all is there were people trashing y'all and y'all weren't even there playing. So they, they're, they're already ready. Oh yeah. I, and all right, the outfitters usually get it. Uh, I'm trying to think. Who's the the worst people who let us have it the most is probably Louisiana Tech, which you wouldn't you wouldn't think it, but they they let us have it. Which I, I mean, I love it. It's uh, probably a Louisiana thing because they say the same thing about the LSU fans too. So oh yeah, so we haven't played at LSU so. Yeah, you would find out them because the way the Alex box is built, and we've talked about it with some of the guys we've had, like Josh Hatcher was really talking about it from Mississippi State. They're, like, right on top of you. So, like, you can hear them all the time. And I'm an LSU football fan, and so I know how the fan base is, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy. I was an LSU baseball fan. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. You see the Alex box stuff. But I don't know. I start talking to all these guests, and like Daniel will tell you, uh, you're going to make it even harder. On yeah, I, how, who 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 are you rooting for this weekend? Is what I want to know. You you know who, and that's why you just put me on the spot. All right, so hey, I gotta say, man, Cameron James is my guy, man. I go visit him yeah. in Starkville. He's like a little brother, so I have to say that. But I wish nothing but you know what, Daniel, I'm gonna put it to you this, all right? Because we had Nikhazy, Nikhazy can take one. Mississippi State can take series, and Hayden can hit a bomb every game. Bing Van Cleve can get his, his first bomb, you know, whatever it has to be. But, you know, no, Daniel talks about it all the time. He goes, the best that we can do is just wish for success and stay free of injury and then just have good baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I'm going to tell you this, Hayden. I ain't, I ain't lacing up a single cleat or putting on a single uniform, so that's on y'all. I hope I, I hope y'all all, all have a hit every time you get up to the plate. Everybody's injury free. Y'all have fun. It's competitive. It's good games. But hey, man, what, if you want to win it, go out there and win it. And I, I mean, I'm this sure. oh, yeah. this is the weekend. Four of the the best five teams are playing. You know, with Tennessee and Vandy. You know, playing as well. So I mean, 
SEC baseball, man, it's just right now. There's I hadn't even been watching MLB because there's no reason to. I, I get my full fill with with watching you guys. So, you know, I'm gonna wrap it up with a couple questions. You know, we've obviously talked about you started out slow. You're you're starting to progress in some things, but what do you personally feel like if you could pick one thing that you need to improve upon the most through the rest of the season? What is it? Uh. Honestly, probably my approach. Uh, I've, I had a tendency to pull off the ball and try to pull, try to hit home run, which is most people, most guys do that, and some are successful. But I learned, I took, I, I go back to Northwest. Coach Selby taught me, he, he was big on staying inside and staying through the ball and just trying to shoot gap to gap line shots. And that's kind of what. I want to stick with here. That's what I did last weekend. I just stayed inside the ball. Tried to, I didn't try to do too much. Just stay calm and just stay on it. Daniel, I hope Dylan listens to this episode over and over again because all he does is try to hit bombs, and he needs to worry <laughs> about just just getting on base sometimes. I will say the only way to hit a bomb is to not try to hit a bomb. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. All right, and so if I was to ask you – you know, because the expectations are high. I mean, it's it's championship or bust, no doubt, for you guys. You know, you talked about last year, y'all 16, 17, and one, whatever the case may be. You saw what you did in Arlington. You obviously see how you're competing in the SEC. So, I mean, I feel like it's it's a championship or bust type deal. What is the reason, the, the number one reason, why you feel like this team can win it all? Uh, I'd say from – Every like one through nine in the lineup, top to bottom can can do damage. Uh, there's not really a weak spot. Um, I mean, we're we're like a really we're a really tight knit kind of group. Like we're almost like brothers to each other. We kind of hold each other accountable. Which if you don't have that on a team, that if you don't have accountability, like you don't hold your players account accountable for things, then it's it, it can mess up a lot of things in regards to your success uh you like there's some there's some teams that I have friends that play on some teams that have guys that are all about themselves and selfish about their like their own success don't really care about the team success which that can destroy a team but uh we, we, we pick each other up uh one guy does bad there's going to be another guy right behind and coming through the line that's going to pick him up we pick each other up and we work hard uh we work really hard yeah, and you talk about one through nine, and you talk about, you know, brothers, but y'all just lost a, a big part of that. You know, I hate even asking, but, you know, it's your captain. Um, and I know y'all are going to do this for him. You're, you're already hungry anyway. But, man, just tell me – or not tell me, tell the audience what he means to you and your team. Uh, I'll, I'll start by saying outside of the baseball, he, he's one of the kind of guys that – like. Once I met him, he, he's been nothing – he's honestly been a role model for me. Like, even though he's the same age as me, he was already here at Ole Miss. So, when I got here, I became close with him. And he's, he's the coolest, greatest, most humbled kind of guy that you'd ever meet. Uh, even when he was – before he got hurt, he was – I'd say he's probably the hottest baseball player in college baseball, like, at all. And you'd never hear – he would never talk about it, like – to some guys would be cocky, which he, he had a right to. Like he could, he could have been really cocky, but 
he's humble, uh, which he, he's a huge part of our lineup. And I've learned a lot from him. He's taught me a lot. Uh, we put, we, uh, we push each other. Uh, but when he, he had that injury, it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, like, it didn't feel real until, like, about the next day. And we were like, oh, like we don't have Tim out there. Like, what, what's gonna, what are we going to do? Uh, but, like, I guess that's part of it. That's, that's basically anybody can get hurt at any time. You got to learn to adjust to stuff like that and move on and pick, pick up where you left off. And yeah, next man up always – next man up always sounds insistive, but it's yeah. the truth. Yeah, the next guy's got to step it's up. Truth. Yeah, it's, it's tough to, I guess, hear that, but it's – he's going to be all right. Uh, I've talked – I talk to him every day. Uh, he, he's doing his rehab and going to try to come back, actually, before the season over, which – I hope he does, and if he does, I think he might try to do like a DH kind of deal. But I don't know if he'll play the field. But oh, Van Cleve don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> he, I'll be honest. Uh, he was. I actually saw Van Cleve taking ground balls at third base today, which it wasn't a serious deal. But after watching him take a few ground balls, I, I, he'll never play third base. <laughs> oh no! <he> didn't. <laughs> Well, I was getting, me and him mess with each other a lot. I mean, we, we, we've known each other for so long. We always are messing back and forth with each other. I'll never forget, actually, the uh, when I got to Northwest, he hit a ball. I'm not lying. He, over 500 foot, dead center. And it's probably still going. Like, he's got the power. He's got the power to do it. It's just he's waiting on that moment where he can see the bill showers. Well, you know, I, I said it a minute ago, and I mean it, man. As, as much as I root for state – I hope he does it. I want to see it. Oh, yeah. I want to see it, too. He wants it so bad. I mean, I want it for him. Well, his next opportunity, it looks like in a big, big conference situation, it's going to not be this weekend, but next weekend when they bring LSU into town. So, <laughs> so hey, uh, yeah. it, it, would be, it would be great. I think, to be honest with you, I'm going to call it right here. I think – the, the the Friday game is, is where he's gonna pop one off and he's he, he's gonna enjoy his first against so, state or LSU against LSU at home. I want him to have the shower. So they they travel to oh, state. Gotcha, gotcha. They travel to state this weekend. So I want him to hit it in a big moment against LSU. So um, if he does that, I, I don't know. I hope it's not against. You know what? Actually, it's good, it's good content. I hope Daniel. it's against Jaden. I hope no, not not Jaden's out for the season. No, I was. Oh gonna yeah, say, that's true. We got Alex Brady in a few weeks. LSU pitcher. I was gonna say I hope it's not him, but then again, that's good content. You know, controversy yeah. sells. So yeah. I guess bring yeah. it. Oh All yeah, right, man, Hayden, dude. Let's uh let's play a little game before we get you out of here. We want to just have some fun and kind of end on on a on a awesome note because man, this has been a, a great interview. We learned a lot from you, man. I, I'm super impressed of of just just everything man like I, I get blown away each week we talk to athletes and and once again like i keep saying man you know how is somebody going to top that how is somebody going to top that and and damn it if you didn't top it so you know <laughs> shout out to you but uh we're gonna we're gonna jump into this game it's called this or that uh, it's very simple i give you two options all you got to do is pick one or the other the only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. So, okay, good. You ready? I'm, 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 I'm firing right into this. So, 
there's two premier or there were two premier leagues when, when you were in travel ball. There was Doolin's and now there's EBC. So who's better, Doolin's or EBC? I'd say EBC. That's what my brother played for. Well, I'll tell you this. That guy is is the king of baseball around the Mid-South because, like, everyone I talk to, like I said, it's another, like, validation point because I don't even live in the city, and that's all I hear about is oh my, yeah, my friends, kids are playing for them. All the, the athletes that we talk to have relationships with Ed Easley. Like, it's like it's it's amazing so you know shout out Daniel, to the, the work he's doing man he shut it down on facebook again today you know he uh -oh. he he owns the most episode downloads for us Hayden, and there's some guys trying to uh try to top him and he saw it and he shut down on facebook said not a chance and basically he's got aces up his sleeve you know he's he, he's got a whole ebc network that he can just email the episode out to if he needs to get some more numbers maybe hit some st louis cardinals players up you know whatever so uh, oh, yeah. he's, he's probably going to own our leaderboard probably forever he's got it made he's got it going over there i mean I, i've i've talked to him plenty of times i've actually worked with him some and he, he's he knows baseball very very well he's a great coach uh, he's got a great organization and a bunch of teams with great athletes and it's, it's a it's a good it's a good program over there yeah my, my hat is off to him he when when you're managing travel teams and parents from all over the country <laughs> like you got your work cut out so oh yeah you know he, he's got a good reputation he's a good good dude he was awesome on the show so you know i, I would I, i'm glad to see success on his part so um but as we go back to the game man I heard that you were an outdoorsman. Would you rather hunt or would you rather fish? Oh, that's a good one. I said hunt. I'm a big deer hunter. Uh, What's the biggest I, one you got? <laughs> I got an 11 point I killed three, three years ago. I actually shot at it one time and missed it, which I do a lot. I'm not, I'm not the best <laughs> shot. Uh, and then, but it came back out and I shot it and it dropped at that time, which that was cool. But uh, yeah, it was 11 point. See that man, like, who gets a second chance? This like, guy. I mean, look that's, at that's him. That's amazing. <laughs> Story of his life. It's, it's almost yeah. like, it's almost like, hey guys, I'm going to miss on purpose because <laughs> I know I'm going to get it the second time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll never forget, like, when I shot it, like, I was so mad. Cause I saw a shot, and he's just trotting off the field. I'm like, no way. About 30 minutes later, here he comes. I'm like, all right, I can't miss this. Comes, I shot and dropped. Like, yeah, I was excited. So you're 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 one for one for two. Is that is that a, a good percentage in the in the hunting world? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, well, like where I hunt, it, we have a lot of deer where we hunt, and I'll 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 be honest, I. I probably miss more than I, I kill. I, I'll, I'll admit it. My brothers now that they could they could shoot a deer a mile away and just drop it like it's nothing. But me on the other hand, I get that buck fever. I start shaking. Next thing you know, I'm I'm shooting a tree behind the deer like I can't do it. But I love it though. Hey, at least at least you're honest. But man, we have athletes on here all the time, and and you know, we, we look at social media and there's some, there's some thirst traps out there. There's some dudes out there that are putting some, some game out on social media. 
So I'll oh, ask yeah. you this. Are, are you a guy that's going to go ask for a date through DMs or are you face-to-face kind of guy? I'm going face-to-face. That's, that's the way, I, man. I, I, I think the, the DM route is kind of like if you want to impress a girl, you go you go say something to her face. You want to kind of be like a little shy, scared kind of guy and risk like and like you can hide behind a phone. You can't hide behind a person. <laughs> you get rejected in person, it's on you. If you get rejected on a phone, that's kind of people just go to the next one and try again. <laughs> so, so let's say you, you you get a date face to face. So now there's a follow up. Hey, we're going out. Here are the details. Is that would you call and and talk that through with the person, or would you just text it? Are you a caller or are you a texter? Oh, I'm a texter. Oh man, just which I guess I, I that wouldn't be that wouldn't relate to what I just said, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm better at explaining myself over text than I am in person for some reason. Oh, uh, I'm the opposite, man. I I cannot <laughs> stand to like I cannot inflect emotion or like really like I just don't have the patience to text everything that I could just say in in six seconds. So he's the like, only I'm, person I'm, I'll I'm answer. A call person. He's the only person I'll answer the phone for, Aiden. I hate talking on the phone. I'm a texter, but I know that he won't text, so I have to answer his call. <laughs> that, that's how my dad is. I know if I need to get in touch with him, like if I text him, I'll probably get a response within a day or two on a good on a good, on a good text. But most of the time, if I call him, he's going to answer because he's always on his phone. He loves talking. All right. So if you could if you could go back in the past or fast forward to the future, what would you do? That's a good question. Uh, I'd probably go back in the past. Nope. And the reason why I say that is. You after... st- study more at Vandy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, after, if I went back in the past, I already know what, I guess I already know what was going to happen. So I guess I, I don't know. Maybe I would go to the future because maybe I would, figure out if certain things were going to pay off at the end or like what, what was going to end, like how the, my life was going to end up it's a it's an interesting question because it is <laughs> it's like there there's a little bit of like fun and surprise of not knowing what's in store for you in the future but it's like there are some things that i would like to go in the past and like relive oh, yeah. that would oh, be yeah. kind of cool so um, but no, no right or wrong answer, except for this question. There is a right and there is a wrong. And this is the, the last question. And this is our staple question. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Friends. Oof. Friends, friends with money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dude, it took like it took like sixty something guests for somebody to actually put the two together. I don't, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna count it because it's technically not saying you want both. You don't want friends, and you don't want your own money. You just want friends that have money. So, (laughs) like, because I guess if you look at it, I mean, it sounds kind of, I guess, wrong. But you have friends with money, and like, say you don't have much money. They're gonna pay for anything. Like if, you, if they want to go on a big trip, be with the boys. They're gonna pay for it for you. 
I mean, well, it's like it's like they say, would you rather have the toys or would you rather have friends with all the toys? And I'd rather them yeah. have the toys. So I don't have the responsibility. Oh, that's that's the 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 classic. Would you rather buy a boat or have a friend that has a boat? Friends. Like, yeah. I, I don't want any yeah. any like extra work or extra payment for a boat. So I right. just want I'm somebody that has one. So because they're, they're going to let you like most people. If, they, you have any, if you know any people with private planes or really nice cars, they're, they're, they're always trying to show it off. So they always want you to get, be, be on them. Like, you get to enjoy it with them. Man, I wish I knew somebody with a private plane. <laughs> there's a, there's only been like three guests that have actually just outright said money. And one of them was uh, Ole Miss alumni. Dallas Wolfolk said, said money. But he also said his wife was pressuring him during that answer that he better save money. And so his wife <laughs> says, you better take money, better take money. Oh yeah, that's the the trump card of 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 everything. Like you you play that card, like that's that's the one you got to go with. So, all right, Hayden, man, anything you want to plug or promote? Social media, team, where we can follow you. Uh, my Twitter handle is the first and last name. I think that's the same way with Instagram. Uh, I'm not a big Facebook guy. I have a Facebook. And I'm planning on being a future TikTok star. All right. Get it. It's in the making. It. In the making. <laughs> so so are you gonna be a solo star or are you gonna bring your boys on with you? Is this uh now I guess instead of going with friends with money, I'm gonna have to go with the friends with the TikTok fame and kind of use them to get my fame. So there you go. Like we we have some guys on the team that are like honestly famous on TikTok. It's the guy who walks out of the hotel room with his uh, uniform. I've seen it. it. Dude, I've seen it. <laughs> they, won't, they won't put me on there. They said that no, no dad bods allowed out here. Oh. Sorry, you just go gonna... six for eight and, and say, you know, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. When but Daniel, I knew what he was talking about. Look, I, I was on there and I was scrolling and then, bam, there came up an old Mr. Cat. And what he's doing, is he's getting up out of his uh, his bed in the – in the hotel room and he goes to walk out the door and then you know how tiktok works all of a sudden he's in his uniform and he's like looking fresh and it had like millions of views so i knew exactly oh, what yeah. he was talking about oh, yeah. was, was he in a powder blue yes absolutely which he by was. the way hey regardless of who i root for you can check instagram i voted y'all we had a we had a little vote between our top five uniforms i voted the powder blues as the number one uniform in college baseball. they're my favorite they're awesome they're my by far my favorite all right, Hayden, man, we're going to let you run. Go do what college kids do. Go prep for your, your midweek game and then a big, big series against Mississippi State when you guys travel down to Starkville. So, man, what we hope you – you know, we wish you guys nothing but the best. Good luck this weekend. Um, if there's anything we can do for you along the way, man, let us know, and we hope to have you back. Maybe talking SEC championship, regional, super regional champion, and who knows – birth to the college world series and maybe hold up a national championship man that would, that'd be awesome that'd be awesome yeah i appreciate y'all having me i enjoyed it all right y'all go follow hayden at hayden leatherwood on all those social media outlets we're gonna take a break we're gonna plug our sponsors and when we come back we got some headlines for you welcome back to the end off the bench podcast we got some headlines for you and jim i'm gonna start off just briefly talking about nba i just want to get your take 
uh, on where we stand in the East and the West with standings, maybe an update on Westbrook, update on the Grizzlies. Uh, talk to me, man. We haven't talked NBA in a couple weeks. Yeah, no. The East itself, you know, it's still pretty much set his course. Before I really get into that, I guess I might as well talk Russ because I went ahead and checked to see what he's doing currently today. And go ahead and notch him for his 12th. 12th straight triple-double. He's got 21, 14, and 13. On you ready for this? This will probably impress you the most. What if I told you he is 6-9 and nine for the field? He's only taking nine shots. And the other day, he only took 12. Like, okay, maybe he's maybe he's learning something, Daniel. I mean, I, I'll take my, my 10, 10, 10, triple-double every, every game. I'll be good with that. Yeah, but the, I think what – what there's something to be said about okay let's say you throw rebounds out let's say people let him have rebounds even though i watch him go up and take some some are given to him a lot of them he goes up and takes but man when you're getting 14 plus assists tonight how can you call it stat pad and being a team player like i mean what the hell are we talking about yeah i mean it's 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 the conversation that people you know the argument they always say well if you're getting offensive rebounds that means that your team is missing a bunch of shots but if you're getting defensive rebounds and that means the other team is trash so it's like eh. but yeah you, you can't negate the fact that he he goes out there he plays hard and he might be aware of where he sits as far as his stats but like what what's wrong with that like yeah but i'll say this um i don't I don't know, man. They got to stay healthy, Daniel. They, I, I sent you that schedule where I told you that they really had to take care of business, and they won the first two games of that. And then Bradley Beal missed five games. And it doesn't matter how good Russ is. And it wasn't even just Beal. Hashimura missed a couple games, a um, couple other guys. I mean, he was playing with a bunch of guys that if I didn't watch the Wizards, I wouldn't even know they were NBA basketball players. And so they, they were dropping games, and uh, even with the stat line. So they've done kind of put themselves – in a hole but the east you know it's still philly it's still brooklyn it's still milwaukee i think the surprise team i still wouldn't believe in them atlanta has climbed themselves to the four spot and boston still hasn't completely came around but they are winning more games than they're losing tatum has had some really big games lately um seven and three in their last ten so they're getting together I think the shock, I'd say, if I wanted to bring up something other than the obvious guys at the top, we talked about the Chicago trades, right? We still have Randy here. Dude, them dudes are three and seven in their last 10. They made all those moves and they're not winning games. And so I, I don't know. I don't watch enough Bulls games to, you know, know what might be going wrong, but that sucks to have acquired that type of talent. And now you're losing more games than you were before. Yeah. The the Grizz are, are currently beating them by four with about four four and a half left to go in the game, which, I mean, if you watch the Grizzlies play the next, the other, the other night, I mean, this was the, the time that they were up 10 and ended up getting beat. They ended up going to overtime and, and losing, which is a game that they have to win and a game that they um, probably will look back on and go, we needed that one. Um, but How many with, times have we talked about they play great against good teams and have letdowns against bad teams? Now they were they were winning that game for the majority, but they let down in the end against a team that's inferior to them. Yeah, I mean it a loss to the Knicks is is one of those things where it's not okay and you need to beat the Knicks. That's a team that you you look back on and you go, man, we 
you got to have that win. And if you lose, you look back at the end of the season and go, man, that's one that got away from us. Um, but I think with the, the teams that we played and the road trip that we were on, it's okay to lose to them because we ended up winning games that we probably were predicted to lose. And currently right now we're playing a Bulls team that, you know, we need to beat them and we look pretty good. There's about a minute and a half left. It's, it's one one to 89. The Grizz, I think will hold on and, and pull this out. Um, you know, but it, this is the time of the year, especially when you're a Grizzlies fan and you're sitting in that seven, eight, nine, ten area, and and you got to win the games you're supposed to win. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, everybody keeps talking about locally. You know, just find yourself in the playoff game or the playing game, and I and I get that, but I think you want to try to achieve more than that if you possibly can. The the sixth spot, for instance, is completely feasible. As a matter of fact, if you don't drop those two games, if you flip that, dude, they're a game out of the sixth spot. Like, so, you know, or two games, excuse me. I mean, so you, you would hope that maybe they can find themselves not in that playing game. That would be ideal. I know everybody just – they're trying to temper their expectations. They don't want to have them too high. But, man, why not even put yourself in that scenario if you can avoid it? Yeah, I think as things begin to start opening up and, and reach normalcy, I think one of the coolest things that the the city of Memphis could have is is some playoff basketball guaranteed to them in the forum. So uh, I, I'll be interested to see how things, you know, unravel. I think we got, what, a little over a month left of the season and, you know, in – Anything could happen. Well, here's the question I got for you. All right, so we've talked about when the Lakers get healthy, it doesn't matter what seed they are, and that still holds true. Here's the flip side of that, Daniel. Right now, they're in the five spot, easily could fall into the six. Let's just say, I mean, because AD and LeBron and even Kuzma are playing. Imagine what a shitty hand it is if you're Phoenix or the Clippers and you end up with a first-round date with the Lakers if they get healthy going into the playoffs. I mean, so here's here's always been my take on that. Whether you play them first or you play them last, you still got to beat them. So I would, I think more, I would, I think know, I would prefer to play them first and and not let them get a rhythm, not let them get the a, a playoff you know role going on. Just all right, you guys are back. You just got back, like. Give me you right now. Let's That's what I was going to say, but how crazy, as much as we've talked about the battle of L.A., what if it happened in the first round? I mean, I'm sure the NBA doesn't want it to, to land like that, but they, they may not have a choice. I mean, it, it's it's definitely, you know, there's definitely ramifications without having LeBron and AD in the lineup. You can see that um they're they're just not as good of a team but i mean if you take if you take any team's top two players and remove them from from the team they're gonna suffer so i think for them it's a matter of just hanging on yeah and you know how i've told you i'm not the biggest believer in that team holding the number one spot um i want to kind of tangle that back bring back in the wizards because i was looking at westbrook stat line and i forgot to even mention who they're playing they've already beat the jazz once and they're up six with two minutes left in the ball. Um, 
chance to beat them twice. I'm not a believer in the Jazz anyway, um, regardless of what the record is, but the weather is still finding ways to only beat the teams at the top of each conference. It's the, it's the craziest thing. I mean, the, to me, like the narrative is written, like the Jazz were able to cheat death with this airplane <laughs> and they go on and win and win the NBA championship. Like what? If I, I'm a believer in the team right behind them. Um, I have told so you you're, you're a believer in Phoenix over the Jazz. Yes, and, and there's two simple reasons. Uh, Chris Paul has done nothing but prove himself. I was a fan for a long time, you know that, and then I, I hated his guts, but it never took away from who he was, and he proved last year in Oklahoma City with the turnaround they had. He did better than Russ did there, and then with what Phoenix is doing, and then, you know, Randy shared with us that the top 10 players under 25 – Somehow or another, Devin Booker is still one of the most underrated players in basketball. Dude's a walking bucket. And so those two reasons alone, yeah, when you got a guy who can put 40 on you like that and you have a guy who's as smart and savvy as Chris Paul, yeah, I, I wouldn't bet them to win it all over L.A. because of LeBron and A.D., but, you know, what if they don't get back healthy? So Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's an option. Let's let's play a quick little game because I'm interested to, to see. Um, who do the Jazz beat? Would the Jazz beat Phoenix? No. Would the Jazz beat the Clippers? No. Would the Jazz beat the Nuggets? No. Lakers? No. Portland? No. Dallas? That's their best shot. <laughs> I mean, I I don't even care. I have to say, I have to say, they would beat Memphis because they've done it quite a few times this year. So, what about a team like San Antonio? Well coached, not like you know, five hundred team. Do you believe in the Jazz over the Spurs? No, because they're similar teams but with less firepower. The the Spurs play kind of ugly basketball the way they do, but they don't have a Donovan Mitchell. Um, on their team, and they don't have somebody like Rudy Gobert patrolling the paint. So I'm not a, I'm not a believer in them. And until Clay Thompson comes back, I'll, I won't believe in Golden State because Steph Curry's put up some amazing performances that just come in L. So I mean, it reminds me of what happens with Russ. So yeah. So I mean, you you can't do it. New Orleans. I I know if Randy was here, he would just love. I mean, he'd be basking in the fact that they're underachieving because. I mean, ESPN has done it. They did it last year, and they did it this year, man. They sold their soul saying that New Orleans was going to be it, and they're not. Uh, I mean, you say that, and they're two games out from the eight, you know, one game out from the the ten. Like, they're in the same scenario that the Grizzlies are. But But you just played that game. Could they beat any of those teams in the top seven? No. No. I... I mean, the the smart bet would be no. They might match up decently against a couple, but I don't think they're good. I just don't think they're that good. So, um, let's let's move on. I don't want to. I don't want to get stuck in the rut of NBA because we the the best month of play is coming up. So I know that we're going to talk heavy on NBA uh, as the weeks continue. But man, we we we've had some baseball. We you know we've had about ten. 
10 games now and the, the standings are what the standings are. And I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock right now into where people are falling as far as playoff seeds, but I think there is some, some noticeable things that you got to look at. I mean, if you start in the American league and you're looking at the East, the Red Sox are completely turning things around while the, the Toronto Blue Jays from the last time we talked have completely went the opposite direction. Um, you know, you got Cleveland, Kansas City, Minnesota, the White Sox, Detroit, and that Central. Like, to me, I think that might be anybody's ball game. Um, and then you got your your Angels, man. You've been wanting to pick them for such a long time. They're sitting at the, at the top with the Astros at 6-3. So let, I, let me- I can't say enough about Otani and Mike Trout. I mean, if the other guys could just contribute, ooh, what could be? Hey, may, or maybe it's just Madden. He's just he know he knows how to how to turn it around, man. Um, so let me ask you this: of those those teams that are at the top, we'll we'll play the same game that we play with the Jazz. Can Boston? Do you believe in Boston to win the East? No. Do you believe in the Indians to win the Central? No. Do you believe in the Astros to win the West? <laughs> yeah, but they're not going to, damn it. <laughs> do you believe? So uh, I I have to ask since they're tied, but do you believe in the Angels winning the West? Yeah, because look, man, I, it has not, all jokes aside, it has nothing to do with them picking my sleeper. I feel like at some point a Mike Trout-led team has to break through, right? And when you – I keep bringing up Otani's name, but when you got two guys that produce like that, and it, you know this, it becomes contagious, right? If you're – we've talked about when guys come onto a team or when guys produce for a team, what it can do. And if I got two guys like that on my team, man, I'm like, damn, I got to do something to help because it's a waste of talent if we don't get something done. Yeah, I mean, what you – what I'm sure Mike Trout doesn't want to turn into is the best player to never win one. Um, and he's I even sniff one. Yeah. I mean, he he's fallen into that category. I mean, and it's not really, I guess with baseball, there's a lot of intangibles and it's not as much of a one person dominated sport as some of the others that we talk about, but um, he's definitely flirting the line of, of that stigma, and I don't think you want to go down that that road. But um, when I look at it, you know, Boston is playing really well, but Tampa Bay's five and five. I mean, I, you know, the Yankees are five and five up there in the East. I mean, those two teams, you can't count them out. Boston, I think, is is playing ahead of where they are supposed to be, but. But you got uh, also one of the beauties of a, a long season for all the people who don't like it, it always irons itself out. The cream rises to the top. And, you know, you could be the beneficiary. When you talk about 10 games, you could have been playing the right teams off the start, you know. So I, I did want to say this in regards to the Houston Angels thing. It's worth noting, regardless of how much we dislike Houston, if you want to talk about the difference in those two teams, even though they share the same record, the Houston run differential is a plus 23. The Angels is a minus five. That's a hell of a difference. Yeah, I mean, and that's 
that's the tail of the tape right there. And, you know, when we look at the, the national league and you look at Philadelphia at six and three, Cincinnati at six and three, and the Dodgers at eight and two with the Padres right behind them at eight and three. Um, I mean, those are our teams, you know, that I, I, me personally, I think that those teams have the potential to stay where they're at for the long haul. Um, obviously, in the East, the the favorite pick at the beginning of the year was the Braves and the Mets. Um, but you know, the Mets are, are are floundering, two and three. Man, it's it's looking ugly um, over there. And then you know, a surprise. You know, I didn't I didn't think Cincinnati would still be as good as they were last year. They they lost a couple things but i mean that's that's central division even the central in the al like that's going to be like a crapshoot um and i think it's because there's just not a team that's a juggernaut in there in either of those divisions right like i mean there's obviously really good teams really good talent but not like when we're talking about for instance in the national league the central doesn't have an la or a san diego so i mean I, th- I think that's what it comes down to. But that makes for good baseball. Some people don't like that. They, you know, consider it mediocrity. But I think it's fun. When a team just runs away with a division, what fun is that? Very true. Let me ask you this. When you look at the NL West, is it starting to shape up to look like the AL East? Almost like a, a like you got two teams that are the team, like the, the big-time powerhouse teams. And then you got a couple of teams right there that, you know, who knows what could happen. I mean, the, the Giants are six and three and like they were in the cellar for the better part of all last last season, you know, and Colorado. It's a good organization, though. Yeah. And Colorado's three and seven. And they're typically a team that plays well early in the season. And they're, it looks like they're kind of stuck there. But I don't know. I think. I think the central and both the AL and the NL are going to be fun to watch because the games, I think it's going to be so tight. Like the game, every game is going to matter. Um, you know, I, I hope it, it ends up being like that for all the divisions, but you know, I, I would definitely keep a close eye on the central divisions and in, in both of those leagues. I mean, just, I know this, you know, whoever ends up being the number four team is going to have one hell of a draw getting the, the second place team in the West. Yeah, like that's that's not a. I mean, those two teams at the top are, are killing it. I you mean, just said you just said when in regards to basketball, you're gonna have to go through them anyway. But man, when though, well, yeah, when it comes to those two teams, and you know, be remiss if it didn't bring up Musgrove's no no. I mean, you got the guy who isn't even the biggest, one of the biggest names on there doing that. Golly, maybe it speaks to what I was just talking about and the whole team buying into what they're doing. Yeah, and and apparently something's working because it's starting to click. Uh, that team that was having so much fun winning last year is 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 poised to make another run. So um, it'll be fun. Uh, we got a lot a lot of time left in this baseball. We'll we'll probably not talk as much baseball. You know, we'll probably talk performances or games that stick out, you know, over the next few weeks. And we'll probably spend some time on basketball, but um, I'm just glad to see baseball back. And, you know, speaking of, of baseball, another 
another big weekend of college baseball, especially in the SEC. And, uh, you know, I, I, I almost want to turn this into your own little segment because <laughs> Like I, I mentioned it in the intro, like you have, like, I feel like you got 30 TVs in a war room where you're like, it's like Buffalo Wild Wings style at your house where you're just watching all the games and like taking notes and like, you know, texting about everything. Like uh, I'm jealous and, and envious and like, break it down for me. What, what, what did we see this weekend? Well, first, in regards to that, I even sent y'all a message. Just, it upset me, man. I had to take my daughter to soccer, and you couldn't add it worse. Tennessee and Florida are going to the ninth inning. Cameron's on deck. Leatherwood's on deck. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, too much going on at once, and now I'm down to my phone. Like you said, I had, I had multiple TVs and devices at the house, and now I'm limited to one. Uh, I went with the, the compelling game, just in case you're wondering. I, I stuck with the Tennessee – bottom of the ninth inning but yeah dude everything we talked about coming into this season has come to fruition you know we we were messing with Hayden Sunday score of Ole Miss Arkansas aside take take that out um, which was is still entertaining baseball these teams are all legit there's not a weekend off there's not a game off um you know you even saw it we'll start with Vandy right like Kumar Rocker you know, gets tagged for the first time. And it just shows that, man, anybody on any given night in that conference can give you their best and beat you, which I think, don't you feel like, let me ask you this. Don't you feel like the whole conference as a whole needed to see that happen because Vandy was being talked about as untouchable? Yeah, I think, well, when you, all you got to do is ask Liam Spence and those guys at Tennessee, because that's, that's the matchup this weekend. And now Vanderbilt looks beatable. And when you see what happened and you know that going into a huge series this weekend, like Tennessee's got to be full of confidence knowing, you know, not only did they probably think that they have a chance, you know, no matter who, you know, who they play, but like after seeing the weekend that that rocker had and Vanderbilt had, like they, I think they have a little bit more confidence, uh, you know, going into those games. Yeah, and so speaking of Tennessee, you know, preseason rankings, you you take so much stock into it, you can only take so much. But Florida was preseason ranked number one, and Tennessee wasn't even being given a chance in, in regards to that matchup. And they took two out of three and really should have took three out of three. Florida, um, I'll give them their props. They, they scrapped hard Sunday to get that win, but – um, Tennessee was clearly the better team. And I think they talked about it. So since you didn't get to see it as much, but it was almost a Tampa Bay perspective and a Billy Bean Oakland uh, money ball perspective. They talked about it. They didn't necessarily wow you with their talent. It was about they had guys who were grinders. They understood their role. They don't swing at bad pitches and get on base. And – defensively they do all the right shifts adjustments and they do their job and I think there's something to be said about that maybe they're not the flashiest team but they do the right things to win and they got great chemistry yeah and I think we see it every year the team that has the best chemistry not necessarily the most talented or the best teams those are the teams that end up making those deep runs 
Um, so I, I, I'm, I think this weekend is going to be a telling week for SEC. I mean, but you've seen the stats. You may have not necessarily got to see the games. Liam Spence, bro. I mean, for those that didn't hear the episode, the idea that he comes on here and just, you know, I bat for average, you know, I'm more of a de- – and then even though he said that, he's more of a defensive guy, right? Well, right now he's got a lingering, um, you know, hamstring issue. He's not even playing defense. He's the DH. And the reason is it's because, you know, he's hitting like 431. He's in bombs and RBIs. And even when he's not hitting, he won't swing at a bad pitch. Randy's messaging about it on Sunday. He took three walks. He's not going to swing at a bad pitch. No, he, he's a guy who t- he's going to do everything he has to do to get on base. If that means he's got to swing the bat, he's going to swing the bat. But one thing that he does do is he makes the pitcher work. Like he, he's not going to give the guys any free passes. They're going to have to, you know, work extremely hard to get an out. Um, but yeah, you're right. He, he is a guy that, you know, I think really sold himself a little short, man. Like, to be honest, like when he was talking to us very humble, but almost didn't give himself the credit like that he should have, because he is just killing it. Yeah. And, and Chad Dallas too. I mean, he's five and oh, I mean, this dude, he has double digit K's every game. I mean, what a matchup, dude. I, I could have never imagined when we had them on, that we'd have a Chad Dallas Kumar Rocker matchup, and it would be not just per my opinion, but if you ask anybody in the SEC, the premier matchup on Friday night in the SEC. Um, so yeah, like you said, look forward to it. Don't want to you know stay on that one series too much, but I mean that one I actually look forward to. Believe it or not, more than uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but in that series. Mississippi State's getting the bats going. Ole Miss has had the bats going. Um, it's going to come down to what what pitching staff can, you know, hold it down. Obviously, Ole Miss has Nikasey back, as we talked about, and he's looked good. Um, Mississippi State has a more complete roster. And, man, have you seen the Sims highlights yet? Have you, have you really got into – I sent you the stats. I mean, two out of every three guys he strikes out. And I think what was most impressive about this past performance where he comes in, he strikes out uh, five of the six guys. I told you he does it with straight gas. I think they were looking for it. This <laughs> dude, three of those strikeouts were off speed. And I think they were looking for the gas and that man just dropped the kitchen sink on him. Well, here's what's, here's what's funny when I start digging into some of these games. You got Tennessee leading the East at nine and three. Vanderbilt at eight and three and South Carolina at eight and four. South Carolina has a, a, a floundering LSU team that it's feasible. South Carolina can maybe take that series, take three games. Let's say Vanderbilt wins two of the three from Tennessee. That means South Carolina is sitting at number one in the conference just by Tennessee and Vanderbilt beating up on each other. Like it, it's, I think that's what I think is most fun about all of this. And the, the same thing holds true for Arkansas. Arkansas, if, if they they got AM, if they have a I mean, even if they win two, you know, two games in Mississippi State or Ole Miss sweep, like that means there's a tie at the top. So like when we talk about every game matters, man, it does. And, yeah, and I don't think proven. any of them have established themselves. I thought Vanderbilt had, um, but 
I think it's not just dropping two or three. It's who they dropped it to. Georgia hasn't been very good. And so you look like, you know, there's potential that you can be beaten and doesn't mean that they're not still the best team by no means. One series doesn't say anything. But, you know, you'll like it. It's like the Rocky line. He bleeds, right? So um, I think I think that gave, gave me belief that they're not just some team that can't be touched. But when you look at them, like you mentioned South Carolina, Tennessee, um, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, it could really go to any of them. I think we always talk about attrition in sports, right? You got to stay healthy. We've talked about that chemistry. I mean, it, it's it's all going to matter who can sustain the longest. And they, they've got so many battles left between them amongst these teams. But I think, you know, we keep talking about this weekend. Um, there's a chance that some of these teams can really put a gap or, like you said, they could beat up on each other and it just makes it that much messier. Yeah. I, give me the mess. That's what I want to see. G- let's give have, me, let's have some fun. Give me – there's two guys that are freaking hot right now. I've mentioned one of them. And, hey, if you ain't seen my haircut on social media, I sent it to him. He's dying laughing. I got to Tanner Allen, bro, the the Hawk. And I don't even play baseball, so it's probably not cool. But I'll wear a hat 99.99% of the time. But Tanner Allen and Cameron James, dude, good God, what a weekend for them. Auburn could not be happier that they departed. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But – I didn't. I didn't mention the haircut, man. You you look good. You look good, man. It's Appreciate it. Very trend. It's trending on social media. She she said she said how you want me to cut it. I said give me the Tanner Allen. She said what is that? Said, I was like who? I said a lot on top and nothing on the sides. And she's like what are you like a mohawk? I was like kinda. I was like I had to show her the picture. I was like it kind of hawks, but kind of not it's it's definitely not a, a trendy hairstyle unless uh you know maybe you're a baseball player because they can get away with anything so i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it if you got a day job all right man let's uh let's wrap this thing up let's do last call what what do you got for us what do we miss man i know that you're gonna hit on this i just want to tell you i appreciate the um the telling of me to watch WrestleMania with my son and I'll let you dive into it, but it was, it was good entertainment. He absolutely loved it. My wife even got into some of the matches. And so, you know, man, uh, great job by them and shout out to your boy Titus is the, is the host, man. He was fiery, he's energetic, sweating hard in that suit too, boy, but he looked good. And so, man, I'll let you. I'll let you rap about it because I know you want to talk about WrestleMania. Man, it as as far as WrestleMania goes. Before I hit on that, shout out to, um, you know, sh- shout out to the Masters, man. Two two events and and six months or in a small amount of time, and they kind of you know uplifted the golf world and i think if it wasn't the masters we'd probably kind of glance right over it but i think it's important you know hideki matsuyama man just owned those guys uh, there's a couple guys that kind of made pushes and you know but he start to finish man he, he played really well and ended up with his green jacket so Shout out to him, man. Great job. Um, but this but, proved to what we had a discussion about in regards to Tiger Woods. 
I was less inclined when Tiger wasn't in the story. And really, if you're, you know, you're talking about maybe somebody else who can get me in there. I know there's some other big names, but you know, I'm not a golf fan. You, Brooks Kepka could have maybe get me in and he, he played terrible, didn't even make it to the weekend. And so no Tiger, no Brooks. And it was like, you know, you brought it up and I could have brought it up when you asked me, it would be missed, but man, without that name that really just reached out to me and by all accounts, you know, you, you shouted dude out, but I heard he had it on lock. He had like a five stroke lead on Sunday and it was really never a question. Yeah. I mean, he was sitting at 11 under for most of the day. He ended up finishing at 10 under, but I mean, those guys that finished second and third and, and even Justin Spieth, who was tied for third, like those guys had to play really well that last day and they did, but like the Matsuyama just, just played so well. Like it was, it was his to lose really. Um, but going back to WrestleMania, being in attendance for two nights, uh, you know, it was, there was a rain delay to start the first night. So it, it was a little, you know, they got started on a wonky note, but once it got started, there was live fans and man, like there had space. Like I didn't feel crowded at no point. Did I feel like I was unsafe and like everyone was wearing their mask for the most part with, you know, with, with traveling, you know, back and forth to bathrooms or whatnot, like, but the show couldn't have been any better. You know, it was, a spectacle like that's the best way to describe it there's pyro there's entrances there's fireworks there's people screaming people chanting like it, it's a it's a sight to see so like it, it was fun and i was glad that i was able to go both nights and, and see it live but um just looking at some takeaways from from night one um i think you start with the main event and kind of work backwards um the main event for the first time WrestleMania was main evented by two African-American women, um, which is a, a testament to what WWE stands for and what they're trying to do. Um, they're not perfect by any means, but like that was, was a huge step and you could see like the match, the, the women enter the ring. And I don't know if you saw this on TV, but like it took them a minute to get, going because the emotions were so like they got lost in the moment of and i think that's that's what's awesome to me is when you can see the reality of what that situation is because that's the biggest moment that they could ever have at being a wrestler is main eventing wrestlemania um, and for two women, you know, to do it, that's, that says a lot. So, and to be honest, the match was the best match of the night. It was awesome. They, they did amazing. Bianca Belair goes in and, and shows why she's the, the best, the B E S T the fastest, the strongest, just, she is legit. Um, you know, but you got to give your, your, tip your hat to Sasha Banks who fought hard. She was the champion going in. She didn't, she's not necessarily the champion going out, but she's definitely going to have her, her chance to shine because she is a revolutionary when it comes to the women's division in WWE. Uh, you had guys like Seth Rollins. He lost, but let me tell you, man, like his entrance is probably one of the coolest entrances they have. 
Uh, but he's my guy. And, you know, I, I had a feeling he was going to lose loss to a guy named Cesaro, who's, you know, from what everybody says, he's a great worker. Like he's the guy that everyone wants to work with. Cause he's always going to put on a good match. He's been in wrestling for 20 plus years. Like he, he got a, a win and a big moment. So shout out to him. And, you know, I, I bring this one up because it, it kind of ties into what we talk about on this podcast, which is sports, but you had AJ Styles and, and Omos. Omos my, is, let me let me say that was my son's favorite. And so, like, you know, it, it was exactly scripted the way that you would think it would be scripted. AJ Styles gets beat up the whole time. Uh, the New Day is a is a veteran tag team, probably the, the greatest tag team possibly that will of all time when it's all said and done multiple championships there the champions going in and aj styles who is a great worker and a great wrestler has been a, a now a grand slam champion um teams up with almost who had you we hadn't seen him in the ring fight anybody this was the first time you actually got to see him in the ring but aj styles gets beat up the whole match you know and like sets up trying to make his way to tag almost the whole match finally gets in, in the ring and it's like this guy is a monster he just beats down the new day and really pins the guy with putting just putting his foot like andre the giant style on, on well, his well chest. and i'll tell you i've told you about redeem wrestling and i realize now because I put exactly the way you describe that match. And I told you about the kid, Billy Hunter. And like, so he'll, they'll pair him with Jackson Crowley, who, you know, the only reason Mike Reels ever beats him is because he cheats. So by all accounts, he's, he's the best wrestler out there. And they let Billy get beat up. Poor Billy gets beat up the whole match, man. He's getting thrown all around. And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for Crowley to get in. And as soon as he comes in, he's fired and just starts taking everybody out. Now, of course, he's built different than, uh, uh, what you say, it's Osmos? Is that how you say it? Almost. Almost. Anyway, he's built completely differently, obviously. He's not, the, he's not the huge guy, but same thing. But let me tell you why Jackson loved it. Watching them trying to take him down and just bounce off him, he just thought it was the funniest thing ever. He was like, he was like, Dad, they're trying to take him down. They're like, he's too big. They're like, he's a giant. You know, exactly what you're talking about. He just thought it was hysterical. And so, you know, there was there was a cage match with Shane McMahon, Braun Strowman. I mean, it ended the way that if you follow wrestling, the way that it, you thought it would, Shane McMahon goes flying off the top of the cage. Braun Strowman ends up winning. But I wanted him to jump off the cage onto him. I don't care if he would have went through the, the ring. I needed to see it. Yeah, I think as, as Shane gets older, he's got to – figure out more clever ways to jump off of things that are a little bit more safer i think it's a little bit more safer to fall onto the ring mat than it is to fall into a table these days <laughs> um but man i i gotta say there was a match between bad bunny who i mean he's a he's a pop latin pop <laughs> rap star like he's got millions and millions of followers that I had no idea about until I started seeing him on wrestling and I had to like research like who this guy is but 
he's extremely popular comes out there and like blows people away with his wrestling ability and i think you know the more i read about him being ready for this it was the dude was training day and night like he loves wrestling big fan and just had the opportunity to do this and took advantage full advantage of of, of the moment was doing things that veterans don't do um him and, and damian priest ended up winning the match and like like going into it i was like god i just i would be all right if this match didn't happen but after it's over i was like man this match kind of blew me away it was good very good um and then you know night two started hold on, on hold on hold on i can't let you go to night two yet i thought you were talking about it. i was waiting for my moment and you probably didn't talk about it for a reason boy me and carico and my wife and his wife and my daughter and my son had a lot of fun with that tag team, uh, whatever you want to call it, with, with the ladies. Oh, the turmoil match where there was a lot of slippage going on. In that, 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 yeah, hey, man, for, for what I'm expecting for WrestleMania and all the other matches you talked about, dude, I've I seen uh, – I, I don't want to – you know what, I'm not going to talk about it. It, it wasn't pretty. I mean, it, it was it was tough, but like, once, <laughs> it was real tough. Once again, like you realize, like there's a lot of reality into the wrestling. So just... right, but the the best thing that could happen, you talked about the the two females fighting at the end. Thank God, because you got to remember, I haven't watched wrestling in quite some time, and so mine and Jamie's perception in real time is. Why do women wrestle? I it sounds terrible to say, but that and so luckily it got brought back, and then you know, we'll get into night two, you'll talk about that. But there was another set of, of great women wrestling. But at that time, we we're like, oh, this is bad. Well, and, and the thing is, is there is with the women, they're all incredible athletes, but as far as re- like women wrestling. It used to be like it's it's kind of a new like thing. Like there's a few women that can go out there and entertain you and they can do things that are as good, if not better, than the men. All right. But you gotta remember, like, this has been a transition of women just being out there for looks and now they're actually doing stuff. So like it like my hat's off to them. Like, yeah, because they did a good job to start. Because to transition, so we can just seamlessly do it. Oh, I don't know where you were going to start on night two, but um, talk about the the girl. Um, man, I don't know the the Asian girl with the mask. She could wrestle. Oh, so yeah, Asuka is is from Japan, and and she's been in WWE for a few years now. But her thing was that she was a a badass Japanese wrestler. Uh, in New Japan and overseas, and she came here and like she was unbeatable um, because she could flat out wrestle. Like she, she could can, just do flying, everything. Dude. Yeah, um, her, you know that match. You, you have Rhea Ripley, who is kind of the the new the new thing, the the new flavor, and and she has a good look. She's big. She's strong. And like, she's very marketable as far as look goes, but you gotta like, she's Oscar's been doing this for 20 years. Rhea Ripley has been doing it for like five or six, maybe. 
so like the level of expertise like in the match like you could you could see it um but the the right person won the match i don't necessarily like the story that set up the match but um i would have rather have seen someone like charlotte flair who is probably the best women's wrestler hands down uh in that match but you know you didn't see that you saw her tonight on monday night raw but it was a good match nonetheless um I got to start, you know, I, I got to bring up the start of night two. Um, you know, it had The Fiend versus Randy Orton. That intro, bro. And, and Randy Orton, like, comes out there in his, his white shorts, and, and women were losing their mind. <laughs> and then the intro for The Fiend, like, I was disappointed on how it ended. And I, I haven't had a chance to watch Monday Night Raw to see, like, okay, where, what direction are they going? Um, but Alexa Bliss, who's the girl that comes out with The Fiend, mm-hmm. she is single-handedly carrying, like, a lot of, like, the interest for Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, and it ended in kind of a weird way, but to be honest, that character is weird. So like, I, I can, I, I can see it, but, but I mean, it interest... was, it was, it was such a draw. Like everybody in the room, when that started taking place was dialed in, nobody was even talking. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I think, I don't think that match was designed to be the first match because when it ended, people were not happy. People were booing. If you were in the crowd, I don't know what came across on, over the tv but it's not a opening match that you would probably like usually you want to open with something that gets people up and going and out of their seats like i probably would have started with like the kevin owens well they uh, did good the first night that was a great yeah oh yeah 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 um they i mean they did a championship match to start night one bobby lashley and drew mcintyre and they beat the hell out of each other um you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of Bobby Lashley until WrestleMania. Like, I like I, I like him. He, Those are two a, big boys, I'll tell oh, you that. Man. Yeah, they're, they're huge. But, you know, moving, moving past, you know, Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, like, I, I hope something is coming uh, for him because the character that they developed um, with him was, was unbelievable. Like, I... Um, it's been like a year now of him just like, he's been the guy, like everything that he's done has been amazing. Um, you know, we talked about Oscar. We talked about Rhea Ripley. There was a intercontinental match, Biggie and Apollo Cruz. They had a, a, a big guy come in, a new guy um, intervene in the match. And, and Is that the they, one they're hitting each other with sticks out the gate. Yeah. Um, That's, that, hey, you talk about a way to get a kid entertained. Jackson was into that one, too. I'm telling you, like, th- there's sound effects that go into, like, when they punch and kick each other. But there was there's zero when they hit each other with those kendo sticks. Man. Well, well the, okay. So, you know, we talk about the slaps and the sound they made. They were hitting each other. You hear the sound. But then I, I don't know who hit who with which one, but they broke it on them. And the sound that there wasn't no fake about that sound, boy. Hey, they snapped that joker off on him. That had to hurt. Oh, oh yeah. When these guys go back 
they'll like if you follow them on social media you'll see them like take pictures and videos of like the aftermath and like there's welts and all kinds of stuff all over these that's guys. why i couldn't be a wrestler daniel you end up hitting me that hard with that stick it becomes a real fight bro <laughs> um yeah i mean you had you had that match you had you know kevin owens and Sami Zayn. they've had a long time like history of fighting each other they put on a good match um then you had Sheamus and and Riddle, uh, and that was just those two guys beat the hell out of each other too. Uh, Sheamus ends up winning the U.S. Championship from Riddle, which is fine. I think they're throwing a bone to Sheamus. He's he's a veteran. And is it normal know. for so many titles to change hands in one event? No, but what what is a lot of the changes went to like the the bad guys, the heels, which you don't see that a lot at WrestleMania. Usually like uh, the rule of thumb is, you know, bring them in on a happy note and send them home on a happy note. If, if you, whatever you have happened in, in between doesn't matter. It's how it ends. And so I say that to, you know, get us to the main event of night two, which is a triple threat match between Daniel Bryan edge and roman reigns and roman reigns is the champion coming in he's been a a a heel bad guy for uh about a little over a year now and he's like this is where he belongs like he does some really good work as a heel he has paul Heyman as his like as like an advocate who like speaks through that guy (laughs) and then you have jay uso who's his cousin who's kind of like the guy who just like he's like you know the hand of the king you know he he comes in and does the dirty work so that roman can win and you oh saw that's that. that's okay that's a, okay i had to yeah. screw that guy yeah so and and, and here here's the, here's my issue with with that whole match did i i'm not a fan of roman reigns i actually hate roman reigns which i guess if he's a heel that's what you want the fans you want them not to like him okay so Hat off, job well done. All right. What I don't like is you turn this match into a triple threat and have him win. And I don't know what the reasoning for having him win other than just letting him leave WrestleMania as the champion so the fireworks can go off and he can be the face of the franchise, which is what you want him to be anyways. Um, Well, I'll I'll tell you this. You, You know, you talked about the people didn't like him. I thought that was one of the best parts of the match when uh, were they saying he sucks? I think they were chanting. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then and then he you know he looks like I can't believe that they have the audacity to do this. And then he takes it out on homeboy and puts him through the table. Oh, that that was good. The way the crowd fed into that, and then he just continued to villainize it by doing what he did. And that's that's the magic of wrestling is, and that's the magic of what those guys do is because. Roman Reigns hears what the crowd says and he acts the part so well. Yeah, because um, you can't script the crowd doing the chant. That's I mean, that happens. Yeah. And you know, Daniel Bryan has his own like revolution of people doing the yes chant. Like, I don't know if you could hear that over the TV, but that's 
Like that's no. My favorite wrestler was born, and it's shame because he looks like he's getting old. So, and per what they were talking about, he's been around forever. But Edge is my guy. I'm talking about. First of all, I like the appearance. He looked cracked out when he get angry. His eyes get big. His veins start blowing out. But the the calling him the R-rated superstar. Oh, I was on it, and it looked like he was gonna win like five times. I was so devastated. Yeah, Edge is a guy with a unbelievable story he had a a triple neck fusion and it's it's was a injury at the time that was like a career ender and that's why it cost him his title right he had to uh, he had to give it up and he was the like he was in his prime and he ended up figuring out a way to to have some surgeries to to you know and daniel bryan was the same way they said that he wasn't going to wrestle again either and both of those guys were able to come back and wrestle um it would have been nice to see you know to to see edge win it is is edge a heel as well no he's actually a good guy because obviously brian is is clearly a good guy so i didn't know if it was two bad guys or a good guy or how that fell yeah and that's that's kind of the the interesting point of of the night and how it ended is you like like you like the you could pin any anybody to win the champ. You don't necessarily have to pin Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. And when you got sixty cent, sixty six percent of the the match winner could be a good guy. Like you're thinking, well, a good guy's going to walk out of here and win, and it didn't happen. So. I tell you what was good was for people who root for the good guys when they both had to lock in on Roman and basically breaking them off on each side. Um, and then they start headbutting each other. That was good entertainment as well. Yeah, they do a good job with little things like that to bring levity and, and comedy into like serious matches. Um, you know, I thought. I mean, I they, feel like that match hit everything, dude. Oh yeah, I mean, I think there was some unscripted stuff there, like the the chair broke in the ring, and they used the the bar on the chair, which I don't think was supposed to happen. At, you know to to use it as a as a move uh you had edge using daniel bryan's finishing move and like it it was it was good but i do think the way that roman finished it by pinning both of them at the same time was such a display of dominance i have no issue with that either yeah i think some people's issue with it is that all right so if edge cover is on top of daniel bryan that means he's pinning Mm -hmm. him so then Roman Reigns is now pinning Edge because he's on, like, uh, people read way in, way too much into it. I see it the way you see it is I'm going to establish my dominance and just line your carcasses up and pin you both. Boom. So, I mean, as somebody who has not watched WrestleMania in, in literally, like, 15 to 20 years, I will say you said about leaving happy. Obviously, I wasn't there. I watched it. That match left me happy, Be, you know, because I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, and I don't have a fandom in to, to or to dislike any of them, right? I left because that was fully entertaining and it hit everything I'd want to see in a wrestling match. And and that's what's cool about wrestling to me is like I could stop watching it for six months, come back to it, and find entertainment in it. Um, 
And every match is not going to be for you because it's like that at Redeemed. Even when you're talking about smaller level wrestling, they have five, six matches every time. There's there's two that always I could probably not have watched. Oh, yeah. There was definitely matches where we went, got drinks, bathroom, and then came back. But here's the great thing about WrestleMania, and they do this at most pay-per-views. Like, they play a vignette that it's hard for you not to get interest when you watch the video being played, like they create the story for you. And you're like, okay, like this will be kind of cool to see how this plays out. But, you know, I'm not going to get too, too far in the, into the waters because we could talk all night on this, but uh, soon on a podcast, we're going to have some guys from redeemed wrestling on. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it for sure. Um, but man, Let's get out of here. We 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 talked a lot. We said a lot. It's it's time to roll. We've been what it's midnight now. So, um, man, I just I I want to thank Hayden Leatherwood, man. That was that was phenomenal. The the story, the information, like I learned a lot just about about him. You know who he was growing up, and, and you know I think we follow these guys, and we have a really good idea of what kind of players they are currently. But it's always nice to see, you know, where they came from and like their story. So tonight was was nothing, uh, you know, nothing different. We got another great story out of Hayden. I want to thank him for coming on and wish him, you know, all the best, man. Who knows? I have a really good feeling, Jim. We're gonna we're gonna have a national champion on this podcast soon. No doubt. The only the only way it gets messed up is if it's Arkansas Vandy. Screw them guys. <laughs> Very true. So if you like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback as always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode four. We're going to talk Memphis football. It's a uh, you know, a big spring game coming up. You got Morris Joseph Jr. coming on to talk to us about the spring, the upcoming fall, uh, who's going to be the quarterback, what it looks like, everything in between. So we're looking forward to that. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.